0: morning. Good morning. Hello. How's it, sister? (laughs) Good. So um, welcome to everybody. My name is Jonathan. If you haven't yet met me, uh, today you are getting two preachers for the price of one. So I'm starting us off, and then Dwayne is going to finish us up. We're finishing up uh, Little series that we've been going through, and today I want to introduce you to a group of people who who had one of the biggest impacts in history when it comes to spreading the gospel. They they lived their lives in such a way as a good example of what it meant to be present where you are and to spread the gospel of Jesus. Because of them, they were ordinary people who spread the gospel further and faster than any other group in history. Who were these super missionaries? Well, you'll find them in the the book of Acts. What happened in the book of Acts is that the resurrected Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came down, tongues of fire. In one day, 3,000 people turned to Jesus. We saw miracles happen in that time. We saw that uh, the the community really came together in that time. They cared for each other. They loved one another deeply. And then we see in chapter 7, persecution started. And Stephen, a young believer, was stoned to death. And the believers of that time, they scattered. And we read in chapter 8, in verse 1, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Notice the all. Acts chapter 8, verses 4 in the NLT we read, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Note, the all, it was everybody. All of the believers that scattered, they preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus wherever they went. And this group, they continued to scatter on. Wherever they went, they established these vibrant communities. These were farmers. These were artisans. And wherever they went, they made a massive difference in the community. They did their work with diligence. They did their work with excellence. And it stood out. They were present, and they were an example of what it meant to do good work in a community. Their actions spoke louder than words. And so when they had the opportunity to share the gospel, people listened. I take great courage in knowing that these weren't well-trained theologians, but ordinary believers. And I don't want it to make it sound like it was trouble-free. They definitely had trouble. It wasn't all good. In that time, around 200 to 300 A.D., there was a couple of pandemics. You and I, we are familiar with what it's like to live in the time of a pandemic. And what had happened was many people got sick, very, very sick. And the doctors fled for their lives and the people stayed behind. And what would happen is families, they would leave their loved ones who were sick out on the street to die. And what often would happen, it was the Christians in the community that came through, picked up those people and nursed them back to health. And many of them did come back To health. Michael Green, he wrote this about that period. They said they made the grace of God credible by a society of love and mutual care, which astonished the pagans, which were the unbelievers, and was recognized as something entirely new. It lent persuasiveness to their claims. See, the believers of that day didn't just understand the command to love your neighbor, they lived it, and people took notice and were open to the message of Jesus. So why am I telling you this? Well, if you look at our chairs, we've got Seek and Save the Lost. We've got Mobilize the Priesthood of All Believers. And in this room, we've got teachers, we've got businessmen, we've got people that work in offices. And, you know, teachers, you've got such a a privilege of of speaking into the lives of kids. And you have an opportunity when people say, why is it that you care about your kids so much why is it that you do the extra work why is it that you really are so different to all of the other teachers you have an opportunity to say it's because of Jesus that's why I do my work with such diligence business owners got such an incredible opportunity to touch so many lives just by the way that you do business just by the way that you treat your employees the way that your business is run And so these believers, they understood Matthew 5:16, which says, "In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven." And so that doesn't mean that we don't send people. We do have raised and really strong biblical leaders, but plant churches, we've got disciple of the nations. You've got to seek and save the lost. Some of us will stay. Some of us will be present. Some of us, some of us will have an opportunity to share the, the message of Jesus where we are. But there are some of us who are called to go. And I think when it comes to sharing the gospel, when it comes to speaking about all these things, you might be saying, "Well, no, that's good, that's great," but um, but I think the enemy can so often instill lies. The enemy can stole us, such as, we are not worthy. You can't do that. That's not for you. What could you possibly bring to the table? And when I first came to this church, we were still meeting at King Fisher Drive a um, good few couple of years ago. And I remember stepping into the church and just thinking, sure, these guys are friendly. Well, maybe a bit too friendly. You know, the worship just went on and on and on. And, and I can't remember who preached or what the preach was about. But God worked in my heart that day and in the months and the weeks leading on to that, I remember just praying a prayer saying, Lord, here I am, I'm available I'll do whatever you want me to do just don't put me up on stage, I just don't want to be up front, whatever God I'll do it and slowly but surely, God changed my heart, so be open to that which God has for you it doesn't mean that everybody has to preach it doesn't mean that everybody has to be up But it means that we're available. And you'll be amazed. If you step out, if you say, Lord, I'm available, you'll be amazed at what God can do in and through you. And I've met many Christians that say, you know what? In the season that I'm in, I'm just going to fly under the radar. I don't want any people just to notice me. I'm just happy. I'm just going to continue on. And for you... I've got this. I've got got Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things He planned for us long ago. And the NIV, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work which God prepared and advanced for us. So this is Ephesians 2. If you look at the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1, God reminds us that His plan is still in place. And if you will allow me just for a moment, just to step away from my preach because I feel like so many of of us need to hear these words this morning that God's plan is still in place, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's civil unrest, whether it feels like your world is just crumbling, just a reminder that God's plan is still in place. And you just need to look at the Bible to be reminded of that. So you are God's masterpiece. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are God's masterpiece. Next time you look in the mirror and you see that reflection, just remember to say, there we go. That's God's masterpiece right there. And masterpiece in the Greek is the word poeme, which we get our word poem from. And uh, so it's God really saying we are a work of art. What does that mean? Well, it means we are made exactly how God intended us to be made. We are exactly who God intended us to be, for us to be. Before God formed you, before God even formed the world, He thought about you, and He thought about the good works that you were going to do, and then He made you in such a way to perfectly accomplish those good works. God gave us spiritual gifts, such as faith, healing, prophecy. God gave you passions. What is it that you're passionate about? God gave you unique personality. God gave you different experiences, good Or bad. These are all to equip you to do the very good works or the good things that God has prepared for you. Each of us have been designed to bring Him glory. That is what it's for. And so, really, the question cannot be Am I worthy? Am I called? Is this for me? The question really is then Am I surrendered? Am I living a surrendered life? Am I saying, Lord, it's your will, it's your way? See, I don't know about you, but so often I get caught in this trap of of me trying to tell my story. God, this is the works that I want to do. Yet, at the same time, we've got the incredible privilege of saying, Lord, I'm part of your great, amazing, big plan. And I have the privilege of being an active participant in that. Because it's only in that story of God where we find true freedom. It's only in that story where we find grace, where we find um, redemption, and where we find forgiveness. And the good thing is it doesn't have to be perfect. We don't have to live perfect lives, but we do need to be available. It's an so ending, we need to be present where we are. We need to be open to the things that God has for us. Because we are ultimately God's masterpiece. Thank you so much.
1: We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours?
0: Matthew, Matthew, son of Alphaeus.
1: To join you, keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes, listen. I said to you, what are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away? Yes.
0: I don't get it. You
1: didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector.
0: Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for.
1: You will regret this, Matthew.
0: What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking.
1: I can put it back?
0: No, no, keep it may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Hmm.
1: Well, that was a a clip from a series called The Chosen. Probably one of my favorite series just on the depiction of of Jesus' ministry. If you haven't watched it, you can download it from the Chosen app, which is available on all platforms. Cool, so let's go back to when we were in school. Some of us have to dig really deep to to remember some of that stuff. Um, Don't worry, I'll be kind. Um, So, who of you can remember a time when, uh, either during a PE lesson or when you just had a, a lesson where you were and playing sports, and the teacher picked up, picked out two people from your class, and then those people had to go and and pick a team, and um, and then slowly but surely the class dwindled until there were two full teams. So, how many of you were often picked as the captain? <laughs> okay, that's great. How many of you were often the first people to be? Chosen for the team? One person? Yeah. How many of you were often um, quite near to the end or right at the end were often only picked for the team because you were the last person left? Oh, hallelujah, I'm not alone. <laughs> cool for me, so I don't remember a single time when I was a captain or one of the first people to be chosen. If I'm honest, if I was picked as captain, I wouldn't have chosen me either. So it's um, because my complete lack of sporting ability. Um, but that shaped my confidence. It shaped um, how I would be involved in sports and that kind of thing. So it shaped my identity. And it does the same for us as Christians. Our, our identity as Christians will shape our our future will shape what we get involved with or what we think we can get involved with. And more important than knowing who we are, it's important that we know who God is. So, for the sake of time, I'm not going to um, go deep into who God is. But if you do want to know who God is, come back next week. We're starting a new preaching series that will explore that. So I'm going to read four, four scriptures that really give a good, solid punch um, and give us a good, clear view on the character of God. Exodus 34, verse 6 to 7, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Deuteronomy ten seventeen to eighteen. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Second Samuel 22, 31 to 32. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? What a God, eh? And that's just four verses. There's so much more in Scripture that we could get an even clearer view of who God is. And I think you'll agree when that God speaks, we listen. It's important that we know what the Bible says about God and who He is. His character gives credibility to what He says about us. And because we are God's masterpiece, his workmanship, he has the right to say who we are. You ask any artist, if anybody comes in and, and says something about a painting that's not true, the artist is going to be like, no, nah, that's not what I intended. So we need to listen to what God says about us. First Peter 2 verse 9 to 12, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Live such good lives among the pagans that though, you, though they accuse you of doing wrong, They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. So first of all, you are of a chosen people. The word chosen in the Greek comes from the word eklektos, which means to gather out of. So every single one of us has been chosen. Not by default because we were the only ones left or the only ones around. But we were chosen out of a larger group for a purpose specifically chosen. We've been picked for a winning side with a captain with a perfect track record for a time such as this. Pandemic, unrest, all of it. We've been chosen for this time. You are of a royal priesthood. Ellicott's New Testament commentary says, the word royal does not seem intended to imply that every Christian is a king but describes his or her belonging to the king. We are not royalty in an earthly sense. where We have some kind of um, rights or claim to the throne. There will always only ever be one king. So we have no claim to the throne. But we are of his lineage, his children that he dotes on. And I love that royal and priesthood are next to each other because royalty up up until a, a certain point of time and maybe even still today um, they were seen as as lazy and pompous, you know, self-important. But priesthood denotes activity and action, so you can't be a lazy priest. And some of the the responsibilities of Old Testament priests included. providing spiritual education, or in our case, discipleship, to facilitate atoning sacrifices, or in our case, share the gospel, serving in the temple, and to bless their nation. Our royalty doesn't give us a right to claim any kind of importance, not in the slightest, but it gives us the authority to be priests before God and for the people of the world. Thirdly, you are a holy you are of a holy nation. Holy in the Greek um, is translated as different, other, or distinguished from all else. Some translations say a peculiar people, but holy I appreciate more because whilst it declares our otherness, it also describes why we are other, or why we are different or distinguished from the rest of the world. It's because we are like Christ. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And being unlike the world means that we, as verse 11 says in First uh, Peter chapter 2, that we have to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against our soul. That we have to be apart from the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We don't act like it. Number four, you you are His own special possession. Not only as royalty do we belong to God, but we are special to Him. Many parents in the room here, you'll agree that your child is very special to you, very special. That nobody else could um, could claim that they more special. Um, that your child is more special to them. If if they do, you have every right to... No, I won't won't say that. Um, Just give them a snort club. (laughs) Your children are special to you. And it's the same us to God. We are His special possession. And it's no wonder that Jesus made the claim that if you ask of God, He will give. If you seek, you will find. You will, if you knock, the door will be open to you. There is so much favor wound up in Peter's statement that we are his special possession. It means we can approach God for anything in any situation. So I want to take that First um, Peter 2 verse 9 and just um, do a little paraphrase based on some of the stuff I've said here. Handpicked from a planet of people, God, who is holy, righteous, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, mighty and awesome, enthroned above all gods, the defender of the weak, chose you for the greatest team in the history of the universe and gave you a royal title, enabling you to preach salvation to the lost, salve- uh, disciple the nations serve the church, and hold sway over the direction your nation is taking. You have been set apart from the world, different, other, peculiar, because you are like him, holy. You are his special possession, favored and blessed, the crown jewel of his creation. So it's great that we have this identity But why do we have that identity? Ask me why. Good, thank you. (laughs) Number one, and very importantly, because he loves us. So much so that he sent his son to die on the cross to redeem us and restore our identity from enemies of God to children of God. We were, we were created to be children of God. Sin took us away from that, made us enemies of God. But Jesus restored our, our identity back to being children of God. And secondly, the reason why we have this identity is because God is on a mission. He's putting together a team for that mission. And we are on that team. His mission Is that it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we have to be on that mission. Because if you're here and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're part of the team, and the whole team has to pull their weights. And if you're feeling like you don't know how we're gonna get that mission right, don't worry. We have a strategy. Number one, seek and save the lost. Number two, mobilize the priesthood of all believers. Number three, raise and release strong biblical leaders. Number four, plant local churches. And number five, disciple the nations. And then it starts again until Jesus returns. When we believe who we really are in Christ, when we believe who God says we are, not who the world says we are, not who our past says we are, not who our parents say we are, but we we believe what Jesus said, what God says, it makes this mission so much easier. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you chose us. That you called us out of darkness and into your light. You called us out of our booth to be a part of a team that's going to change the world. You called us out of our past, out of the things that defined us and into a place where you define us. As chosen, as royal, as holy, as your special possession. <laughs> and we thank you, God, that, yeah, that that you've brushed aside everything that our pastors has has done. And just like Matthew, where he wasn't welcome at parties, we weren't welcome in your kingdom as sinners and when we accepted your call you said don't worry the party's at your house so God we we pray that you would equip us Holy Spirit to do the things that you've called us to do that you've created us to do the things that you planned in advance for us to do we pray, God, that we would yeah, that we would just believe who you say we are in every situation. Even when our past tries to creep up on us and say, You don't have the right to do that. You don't have the right to tell people just how wonderful Jesus is. Look at you, you dirty rotten sinner, that we can step on that and say, Hang on. I'm chosen, I'm holy, I'm royal and I'm God's special possession, and that gives me the right to share your gospel and to bring people to the party because the party's at our house. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you be with us this week. We thank you that we would stand on your word and who you say you are and who you say we are so we can live in freedom and in power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. Have a great week. Be blessed. Live as chosen people. The party's at your house. The coffee's at your house too. So go keep warm today. (laughs) And as I said, next week we are starting a new preaching series on the names of God. So come join us. Uh, For those of you online, you're welcome to join us online. You're welcome to come join us here. Cool. Have a good week. Be blessed. Cheers.